0: Tune into to Geek Elite Radio. Good luck!
1: The future comes and
0: now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my web page. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back to another shift on the Geeks Watch. This week, we are talking Westworld season two, episode five. So, ten episodes in the season, we're halfway through. This past week just flew by. It sure did. So, uh, we're not going to do any geek news this week, John, because we're going to talk about Deadpool two. It came out a week ago. We're going to talk about it. We're going to we're going to throw in spoilers, and uh, so everybody needs to be ready for that. If you haven't seen it yet. Skip skip to like 30 minutes in, we'll probably start our Westworld uh, uh, synopsis there and you can join in if you haven't seen Deadpool 2 yet. You know, I want to say I'm a really big fan of DP,
1: but those words coming out of my mouth, you know that there's going to be some kind of double entendre even if it's unintended.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably not a good idea for you to
1: say that. So let's just say I really enjoyed this
0: movie. Uh, All right. You know, uh, I would say that I really enjoyed the movie, too. I I would definitely say that uh, I thought it was just as good as the first one. I want to agree. In fact, I kind of want to say I liked it
1: more but in a different way. Yeah? I like how the first one feels. Like, you could tell it was definitely a labor of love, and it was done on a shoestring budget. And we know that they even – I think Ryan Reynolds took a pay cut, and, like, last minute they cut out, like – $7 $7 million from the budget,
0: so they had to improvise or just totally change around the third act. Which, you know, makes sense. I mean, he was really striving for the fact that he didn't want there to be too big a budget because it would make them get lazy with the writing. Yep, and they forced them to be creative.
1: And I feel like they went the opposite direction, and that's probably one of the main reasons why they lost their original director. Because yeah. they disagreed on the budget. Yeah. They were given essentially a blank check, and boy, did it show because... <laughs> There was set piece after set piece in this one, as there opposed
0: to the two of the first one. Yeah, that's true. There were a lot of set pieces in this one, and uh, uh, like I liked the writing and the jokes, but there was so many on top of each other that, like, I I feel. I mean, obviously, I'd need to go watch it again just to catch everything, but it just at points to me it seemed like it was a little crowded.
1: Yeah, especially when you get to the section with the the baby bottom. Like it, it, yeah. everything they were saying was just I couldn't even hear. Like they were I'm sure I need to rewatch it a couple more times to really catch everything.
0: Yeah, exactly. Excuse me. Uh I uh I loved that a lot of the characters uh came back as in Bly Now, uh Vanessa, uh, Weasel, uh even even uh the big bald white dude in the bar yeah i forget what his name is but yeah he no longer gets to have any talking parts though no and um dopinder dopinder that's right he actually had a much bigger role over this time around i too. was not expecting him to have such a big role like shouldn't he have gone to jail after the, <laughs> the events of the first movie where he got his brother killed well i mean now that he's learning how to how to
1: be one of the mercenaries from the wayward school for girls. You know, Sister like, Margaret's
0: wayward school for girls. Yeah.
1: Maybe he's learning the secrets of the trade. How to dispose of a body, make it look like an accident. I guess that's true. Yeah, all these different things apply now.
0: Yeah. Um, the introduction of Cable. Uh, I didn't know how well I was going to receive that part because the first movie sets up quite a certain tone and Cable, in the comics though, always is a... Not always, but is often a partner to Deadpool. He comes off completely different. I mean, he's obviously a different type of character, a different tone character than than Deadpool. And I will also be one of the first people to say that, you know, I, I did not want James Brolin... James Brolin, Josh Brolin as, this, uh, as the character. Uh, I don't know what it is right now that everybody wants... Josh Bowen to be in their movie, but I don't like him. I don't think he's good. I think he didn't do anything special as uh cable that made him stand out any more than anybody else.
1: My only real complaint was just the physicality. I mean cable is always drawn as being this enormous top heavy like super deltoid, you know, <laughs> muscled guy. And I mean, this is played by a five foot eleven human being, so yeah, no, it's, it's not imposing as it is. But
0: and he's obviously shorter than Ryan Reynolds is, and it it shows. And then you know, Deadpool even makes a joke about it in in the movie. He says he's not as tall as he is in the comic book. He's you know he's actually five eleven or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's where I got that number from too. So I mean. He was kind of not really a character. He was more of like kind of a MacGuffin himself. He's like an object that helps drive the plot forward. Mm -hmm. uh, Because without him, you don't really have a story. And um, it's... I feel like they, they could have done a good job, but they also did a disservice by being very, very vague about who exactly he is. All we know is that he's from the future. And that he's some kind of law enforcement or some kind of crime fighter. A hero, essentially. But we don't know any of his connection to the X Men universe, his uh, lineage, like, you know, whether he was born in the future or he was sent there, and then got that techno virus that I believe Black Tom Cassidy is also supposed to be infected with. It's, uh, yeah, like, there's references galore, but
0: there's no real payoff yeah no they they don't connect cable back to his comic book roots, I guess is the best way to put it, but uh you know they they decide to throw in hope in there, which I thought was interesting, like they actually make him make her hidden his daughter uh as opposed to just the surrogate daughter that he kidnaps and takes to the future to train um yeah, and they even go through a few versions of his costume too, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't know how I feel about cable going forward. Is Brolin going to play him a little bit more jokey if they're going to stay with the, the Wade Wilson kind of universe or is since the next film supposed to be X-Force, is it going to be more violent action based, you know, uh, or do they stick with the, the comedy more, more comedy?
1: I can't imagine that it would be... I mean, Deadpool works as a rated R because of all the different humor that they inject into it. X-Force, they could still get away with, you know, PG-13 level violence. You know, just as long as it's not bloody, they can pretty much do whatever they want. As long as the villains they're killing or dismembering are not humans, they're like aliens or robots or whatever, they can go nuts on them. Mm -hmm. So... And I mean that I guess that brings up another good point is so we have the introduction of x force uh at least momentarily, yeah, and then they they like ninety percent of the team gets brutally eviscerated like, <laughs> in like their one action sequence
0: so in in this version in the movie version, uh Deadpool and weasel are putting x force together they don't they name it that till later, but uh they put an ad out, a help wanted ad it gets to to go up against Cable or it, it essentially it's to save Russell, uh, break him out of uh, prison?
1: Uh, out of the convoy. Out of
0: the convoy, which is, yeah. Because by, they're taking them, them from the, the ice
1: house to somewhere else. Yeah, to some other place. They should have said Genosha or whatever that one place was called.
0: <laughs> so, they're going to, um, they're gonna, they're, he's gonna break him out. So, you have ter- uh, Bedlam, played by Terry Crews, um, Shatterstar, played by Louis Tam, and uh, Domino, played by Zazzy Beats, and then finally Peter, played by Rob Delaney, I think that's his name, and they all answered the ad, and uh, they all have powers in a, in a way. Bedlam, I, did you catch what his powers were?
1: Yeah, he can affect the electromagnetic. Oh, yeah,
0: pulses. Yeah, so... Even the ones in your brain.
1: Yeah, so anything that has electromagnetic current in it, including your brain or electronics, he can, like, mess with.
0: And Shatterstar is just really... He's an alien from Mojo World, and he's just really good at everything.
1: Which I like that they na- they dropped that little reference there. Because I think we mentioned at one point, like, what would be an ultimate surprise cameo for Deadpool 2, or maybe one of the other Marvel movies? And I said, why not Mojo? Yeah, that's At this true. point. yeah. And so they they name drop the planet, but they don't really go into what that's all about. But he's essentially like uh, a gladiator, essentially, uh-huh. kind of similar to Thor Ragnarok with the, uh, um, with the Grand the Grand Master, yeah. yeah. So Mojo would essentially be like the Grand Master of the X Men universe, mm-hmm. it's apparently, somewhat. And, uh, yeah, Shatterstar would be in there. And you notice that in the trailers, they have, like, a couple of action beats showing the characters doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But yet, that's not in the movie nope. for obvious reasons. Right. But that was a pretty interesting misdirect. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: Domino has her luck powers, which Deadpool argues with her that is not cinematic and not a real power.
1: But she's not the only one that has those. You also have Longshot. Right. And... uh
0: uh, Black Cat.
1: Black Cat also has luck uh, in this in the Marvel world. Um, um, Scarlet Witch used to have that
0: with her hex powers, but yeah. then they changed it up. It's affecting probability now. It's more like just whatever the plot needs. Reality changing, yeah. yeah. Um, but so and then Peter just he's a normal guy that answered an ad, and that really upsets po- Dopinder Do- because he wants to be his, yeah uh, Merc, and Deadpool doesn't want to train him. Oh, and the Vanisher. Can't oh, forget yeah. the Vanisher. He is invisible. Well, I didn't see him. That's why I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, wait. And Zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Zeitgeist. Yeah. And his power is to spit out acid vomit. Yes. Not put his finger on the pulse of society, as Deadpool surmised <laughs> based on his name. Uh, and as they warned throughout most of the beginning of the movie that there's a high win advisory in effect. <laughs> Uh, Which really affects their jumping out of the helicopter or plane or whatever it is. And uh, as they all fall towards the Earth, the wind kicks up and Bedlam, Zeitgeist, Vanisher, Shatterstar, and Peter all end up dying. Yeah. Well, Peter indirectly, but yes. Peter indirectly. He was the only one of the team to actually do a perfect landing. He goes to help Zeitgeist, who lands in a wood chipper (laughs) via Steve Buscemi of Fargo. Uh, And as he's being chopped up, chipped up, he spits out his acid vomit onto Peter and thus kills him. Yeah. So, yeah, the X Force movie is not going to have any of the, I guess, original X Force characters. Or at least these guys, yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least not these guys playing those characters, or I don't know, I, you don't know how, how that's gonna work out because even so, I don't know if you wanna get how far we wanna jump ahead, but uh cable being a time traveler, he uh has a device that allows him to travel through time. Um, the device only has certain amount of charges, and eventually he only has one charge left. He's going to use it to go back home, but no, he ends uses it to save Deadpool. Now, Deadpool gets it fixed by uh, Neg- Negasonic Teenage Warhead. To Which
1: they never explain how she somehow can repair a time-traveling device from the future. <laughs> But, okay.
0: Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Her, her and Surge, which they totally changed up Surge's character from the comic book, and then gave her absolutely no point to be in the movie other than say hi, Wade. <laughs> so then he can go hi, Yokyo
1: So wasn't
0: that adorable though?
1: No. I mean, he loves Hello Kitty, so this is
0: like his own like living Hello Kitty. No. <laughs> Don't like it. Uh, I, I I honestly did not like that. Why Why even bring back Negasonic if you're not gonna do anything with her. Like, she literally has one time where she uses her force field, and and that's it. That's it. That's all her character does in the whole movie.
1: Well, you need it for Fire Fist to call her Justin Beaver, so that I guess Deadpool can like laugh at that.
0: Yeah, because it was hilarious. You no. Know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way that we're talking about the movie it seems like we didn't like it, but we did. No, we did. Yeah. It's just. Uh, there was I don't know it, they gave a whole arc to Colossus which I thought was awesome, yeah. But yeah, Negasonic did not need to be there. Um, this is true. So in the 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 in credit scene, the post credit scene, uh, you have Wade jumping around in time, saving people. So he was saving or killing people. So he uh, he's writing the wrongs of history. <laughs> there you go. He he saves Peter. so he can come back for an x-force movie
1: he saves vanessa
0: he saves vanessa which then negates the whole movie yeah so i don't know how that works
1: well parallel timelines so he saved her in one timeline but everything else still happened in another
0: then does he take her to his timeline after that um that's a good question that's what, I mean, that's what I really want to know. is after, after watching this movie, what is... Well, see, maybe that's why
1: Deadpool like is the way he is. He's like one of those characters that can exist simultaneously in the different timelines. And that's why he seems insane to us. He's got like the Joker's super sanity, essentially. <laughs> like his mind is in a different dimension, which is to us is perceived as insanity. But to him, it's like, well, I'm just in a different plane of existence right now. And you're just seeing one part of me.
0: That's right. Deadpool is a fifth-dimensional imp, so he's the same yeah, as yeah, uh, Mixxle yeah. Mix, Splick. whatever, however you say his name. Uh, but then he also goes back in time to uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine to kill the Baraka Pool. He then—that's <laughs> right, that's what they used to call him. <laughs> he then goes back, and uh, you know, in time to uh, uh, to Ryan Reynolds' house to kill Ryan Reynolds as he gets the script for Green Lantern.
1: Yeah, Ryan Reynolds in his very stately uh, study
0: yeah. of his mansion. He's very happy with the script for Green Lantern. Yes,
1: he's going to make it to the big time now with the script. <laughs> and then, bang, you see his brains just splatter over the cover of the script.
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, it's very meta in the very way that Deadpool is meta.
1: And I also feel like Ryan Reynolds is probably, I mean, as nice a guy as he seems to be. He seems to be a genuinely cool, chill kind of guy. Um I wonder if he's exercising some demons with this franchise now he's just putting out there all these dark skeletons from his closet and just letting them go and getting some kind of catharsis out
0: of it well i mean he he's he i mean he obviously likes picking on himself, but I feel like it's obvious that he's he does it for everything he he makes d c jokes he makes uh marvel jokes he makes disney jokes he makes star wars jokes it's 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 the beauty of deadpool is that you can make all you can make fun of everything without having to worry about the consequences
1: yeah because it's under the guise of comedy exactly yeah it doesn't hurt when it's a joke
0: (laughs) oh and it's also you know it's 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 just it's everything too he's not picking certain things it's all everything is is cannon fodder
1: I heard there was a couple of jokes that didn't make it into the movie just because they didn't think they'd be able to get away with them. But they did write them originally. Mm-hmm. One of them was um, Captain America would show up. It would be uh, Chris Evans. And uh, Deadpool would call him out on it and say, you're not Captain America. You're Human Torch. Yeah, so, I like, did
0: hear that he was supposed to show up in that in-credit scene, yeah. post-credit scene with uh, as the Human Torch as well as a baby Hitler.
1: Yes. He was, I think he was supposed to smother or like strangle baby Hitler or something like that. Yeah. But that was sounded like it was a little too dark. And I was like, well, I mean, he was maybe one of the worst human beings ever, but there's also as a baby. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, As a
0: baby would be a little harsh. Um, there's also, uh, uh, there was reportedly some Disney joke that he had written into the script that they that Fox asked him to to remove. Yeah, I wonder what that was. Yeah, they didn't. He didn't say what it was, but he just said it was a, a joke at Disney's expense.
1: Yeah, I was like, nope, they're not gonna go with that. We're still trying to sell the company. <laughs> just imagine though, like how bad could it be? Like, just think of the possibilities.
0: So, the Fire Fist character. Did you like the character? Because I did not. I, and I don't know if I didn't like the character or if I just didn't like the actor.
1: I didn't care for him. I yeah. thought he was kind of annoying. Yeah, same. If he felt like uh, Short Round a little bit.
0: See, and I felt like he was even worse than Short Round. Like, I just... I he don't was know. more like Billy. <laughs> I just had a real problem with him in, in general. Like, I did not care for him. I didn't care for the actor. I didn't care for what the choices the actor made. Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch Hunt for the Wilder People, so I don't know. uh, Is he like New Zealander
1: or something? Yeah, he's a New Zealander. Yeah, I was going to say he's got a weird like Australian accent, but not quite.
0: Yeah, so yeah, he's from New Zealand. Uh, I see. And uh, yeah, he was in Taika Waititi's last movie. The the movie, I guess the movie before uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok, yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People. Ah, I see. So, I don't know. It's... I just didn't care for him. I didn't care for any of that character. Uh, I think the biggest thing that, to come out of that part of the story was the fact that uh, he was at the Essex house, which uh, would be run by Nathaniel Essex, who was also known as Mr. Sinister. But yet the headmaster never revealed himself to be Mr. Sinister, and he eventually gets killed by Dupinder. So I don't yeah. know.
1: And also, they gave the whole thing a real creepy pedophile slant that, like, was just one too many jokes about that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, come on. Like, just get on with it. Is, is literally everybody that works here a pedophile?
0: I, he, there was a lot of religion being talked thrown around, so maybe? I guess, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did the one orderly, he, he calls him Jared Kushner. But to yeah, me, he to me, he looked more like Steve Buscemi, like a weird Steve Buscemi, like if you could be a weird Steve Buscemi. Yeah, he
1: looked like Steve Buscemi, like if he had been pulled out of, um, what was that one movie that was like all black and white, and they start getting color?
0: Oh, Pleasantville.
1: Yes, like Steve Buscemi playing a character in that movie. Like
0: <laughs> that's what this guy looked like. Because that guy had absolutely no skin color whatsoever. Yeah, and
1: his hair was like perfectly like pomaded to the side like cowlick he had like a real 1950s milkman kind of look to him (laughs) so yeah i didn't like that dude but yeah it's interesting that this being an obvious reference to um mr sinister there wasn't really any other connection to it other than they were experimenting well not even experimenting they were just torturing the mutants they made references to the friends of humanity which I don't think we've seen or heard from since the first X Men movie, if at all.
0: I think the second X Men movie they were in there too.
1: They mentioned the Friends of Humanity. I, I remember so. them mostly from the cartoon because they had that uh, cloverleaf symbol. I thought they had an eagle symbol. Was it an eagle? I think it was I thought an it eagle. was like a cloverleaf, and like each petal, it was like a different letter.
0: Uh,
1: and they wore no, berets. I, I think
0: it was yeah. They did wear berets. I think it was an eagle, and it had the F O H on there. Maybe that's what I'm confusing it yeah. with.
1: And, Misremembering, but uh, yeah, like that was kind of a neat thing because it's taken back the X Men thing to its roots, of like, of you know, and even Deadpool comments on it, like, oh, yeah, you know, X Men are here, we're a thinly veiled uh, metaphor for 60s racism or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's awesome that he's kind of bringing that up because I mean, we all know Brian Singer kind of changed it a little bit to be more about uh, uh sexual orientation mm-hmm. rather than skin tone or right. anything like that. Um, and then afterwards, it just became action movies. They kind of mm. lost what the symbolism was. Yeah. So it's nice that they kind of at least gave it a reference back to its origin.
0: Uh, I did think it was it was good when uh, he kind of takes up the idea of being uh, uh, an X-Men, you know? Yeah. And, and everybody knows that you're trainee, you're an X-Men and trainee. Uh, yeah, but you know, the
1: X Men usually don't come fully strapped to a, a situation like this, but
0: Deadpool does. Um, so the, one of the big surprises in the movie is Juggernaut. Juggernaut shows up in the movie, uh, voiced by well, in the credits it says voiced by himself, but uh, I think it's it's been re- it's been thrown out there that there it was actually Ryan Reynolds doing the voice of Juggernaut. So. What did you think about the introduction of Juggernaut? Again. I thought it was
1: <laughs> the second introduction of Juggernaut. Um, I like this version way more than Vinnie Jones, and I like me some Vinny Jones. <laughs> so this one, I mean, it's more comic accurate. Uh, I, the other one was a little bit more goofy right. looking because of the muscle suit they had to give him. Yeah, uh, as, as big and imposing as Vinny Jones is, he's not this like marbled rock monster looking guy. So, yeah, I like that it's a little more comic accurate. It sucks that it wasn't, like, the costume. It was just, like, his yellow prison jumpsuit plus the metal dome helmet. And why would
0: the prison let him keep the metal dome helmet?
1: Well, I imagine it's because they can't remove it. Isn't that part of his, like... It's like uh, I don't
0: think so. That's not something that I've ever seen in the comic book that he can't it can't be removed.
1: Yeah, I thought he was essentially like imprisoned in it like as long as he had the Siderac crystal or whatever the, it's called.
0: the the, the, the bands of Siderac. Yeah. which is powered by the crystal of Siderac. I don't know. I I don't I've seen him take it off a lot of times, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could have just been for a particular story that I'm misremembering. It but, could um, be. Yeah, I always thought that it was just like Basically, when he's the juggernaut, he's just like solid. Like you just can't do anything to him to affect him, including take off his armor unless he wants to. Maybe. And why would he want to? He's fully armored in prison. I
0: mean, he does. They do bring it up that he gets. To, it helps keep his brother out of his out of his brain. Speaking oh, yeah. about Xavier. So yeah, that's right. They do make a mention of that. So that's uh that's interesting. I like that. Uh, Russell makes friends with him by giving him his lunch or whatever, and like that melts the cold heart of this hardened criminal it's like oh well now i'm your friend and i'll do whatever you you want because you gave me your lunch one day
1: yeah i mean those those are prison rules you know oh. you give somebody your lunch your buddies for life yeah i don't think that's how that works but i've never been to prison so we'll have to find well, out you don't have to go to prison to try out the prison wallet
0: <sighs> yeah no that was <laughs> terrible we don't we don't want to bring that up. That's my word of the day. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the phrase that pays. Um, speaking of, that's kind of like a cameo, Is Ryan Reynolds doing the voice of uh, Juggernaut. Let's talk about some of the other ones. The Vanisher ends up being Brad Pitt. For
1: all of like .5 seconds that he's on screen, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah it's, it, they said it's like, uh, was it 28 frames out of 30 or something like that? Yeah, almost uh, a full second. Uh, yeah. He he. Apparently, he came in. You know, he just had to shoot that for just under seven hours, I guess, and that was it.
1: I heard he did it for a cup of coffee.
0: Yeah, for the price of the cup of coffee or some shit. Yeah, so that was
1: kind of neat. Did you notice a callback, too, to the first movie when Wade goes back to Blind Al's house, our apartment, and um, pulls up his stash of cocaine? Uh Underneath, there's a package that says the cure for blindness. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a callback from the first movie. He's like Somewhere in this house is the cure for blindness.
0: Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Um, the domesticated life of of Deadpool and Vanessa. Could you really see that working?
1: Not at all. Um, was it one of his cancers? Testicular cancer.
0: Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he had like
1: uh, lung, brain pancreatic liver and testicular cancer something like that but his his healing factor cures it all yeah but that doesn't mean he's got good swimmers like, i would imagine they're all messed up that's true and he is technically a mutant now so that means he'd be passing on the x gene i mean that's not that big a deal well what if they have like some kind of squid baby
0: not all mutants have some kind of physical de- deformity in the world. I yeah, mean,
1: but some do, and they go live with the
0: Morlocks because they're all like not accepted by then society. Then he'll be. Then the child will be a Morlock because that's just what would happen. I don't know. They gotta go drop off off with Caliban. <laughs> it's be like uh, what, like what happens with uh, Leela in fucking Futurama? Is it just yeah, basically. <laughs> Um,
1: Like she's too normal for the mutants But too alien for the humans Something whatever
0: Alan Tudyk and I believe it's Matt Damon Yes play the two rednecks in Canada Talking about toilet paper Yeah Yeah. I thought it was interesting that there were rednecks in Canada
1: yeah, was is that was that what they were trying to imply, that he appeared in Canada and then worked his way down to New York?
0: Yeah, because uh, the license plate on the truck is a Canadian license plate. Oh, I missed that detail. Yeah, but yeah, there's rednecks up there, apparently. Oh. Alan Tudyk doesn't even say anything. Matt Damon's talking throughout the whole fucking yeah. scene. <laughs> and Alan Tudyk looks like his uh, Dale character from Tucker and Dale. Yeah, I was going to say, like the, these guys look
1: familiar, but they have a lot of makeup on, and like, I'm glad that it was. So this is now Matt Damon's second Marvel cameo.
0: That's yeah, true. That's true. And I didn't think Alan that. Tudyk,
1: has he done any other Marvel appearances of any sort or fashion? Not that I know of. I think he should
0: be, but yeah, not that I know of.
1: Yeah, he could
0: maybe play speedball or something. somewhere. No, can. not speedball. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, where do we start? Oh, God. Um... I don't know there's there's I thought the uh, I think I mean there's other cameos in there, and I don't think i've I've caught them all but i and I definitely have to go watch the movie again i but it was like I said I think isn't the there an x men character called the game master the gay master game oh game master yes I, mm, I don't know doesn't sound familiar
1: i th- I want to say so when like the old one of the old Nintendo games <laughs> there was a character like the villain that they fought. It was like a Riddler-looking guy, and he was like the Game Master or the Toy Master or something like that. No, Toy Master is DC. Um, Toymaker. Toymaker, yeah. But there was something like a Game Master-type character. He's a redhead, and I'm like, oh, Alan Tudyk could play that dude.
0: Okay. That, that was a little bit of a stretch. Because I think Alan Tuddy uh, is actually blonde.
1: Yeah, but he he looks like he could pull off redhead.
0: I mean, he's done redhead quite a bit. He was redhead in Knight's Tale, and he's, he's kind of a redhead in... in... Dodgeball, Fire, Firefly. Firefly. Oh yeah, definitely dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. Um, he could do a pirate
1: accent too, so he can play a <laughs> swashbuckling character.
0: There you go. He can play. Uh, he can play the Starjammer. Um, oh, there you go. Uh, fucking Scott Summers' dad. Yeah. Um, Why can't I think of his name? Fucking. Is it Jason Summers? No, because J- that you're thinking of uh, Peter Quill's dad is uh, Jason it's Quill. Jason Quill or Jason. Uh, no. What is? What is his dad's name? It's the same as that he calls the the ship or some shit like that or the his Starjammers. Someone in the Starjammers. That's ah, not important. Steve Summers. <laughs> it's not Steve, but uh, it's something with a K. Kevin Quasar. Kotar. It doesn't... I think you're getting there. You're getting close. K- Kovar. Kovac. Yeah, this is really interesting audio. Kovacs right now. Summers, <laughs> Kowalski, Kosair. Co- Co- Cosair. There you go. Yeah, that's it. The Cosairs. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, it's the same as an airplane. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what it was, yeah. Um. I don't know. What is there anything else in particular you really wanted to bring up about Deadpool two, other than uh, the fact that we both liked it?
1: A disappointing lack of nudity.
0: Yeah, we didn't have any of that in this time around. Uh, I would say it's probably because it's the one thing that probably kept a lot of people out of the, a lot of kids out of the movie the first time around.
1: Yes. Because even though it's rated R, we know that like 13 and 14 year olds are still going to be getting in there.
0: Oh, there's in my movie, there was kids sitting right behind me. Their parents brought them to the movie. Yeah.
1: And they wonder why the world is the way it is. And
0: then I think the one scene uh, that, uh, Deadpool kisses Vanessa, like, you, could, you, one one kid goes, oh, gross. It's just like, really? But yet
1: seeing Deadpool ripped in
0: half with his entrails hanging out, that was fine. I love the fact that he, that Deadpool was, like, a huge fanboy of Juggernaut, too.
1: Yeah, he named off all his favorite issues and everything. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's a Juggernaut. And, um, yeah, so I was disappointed that there was no final, like, uh, what do they call it, stinger at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But there was at least a very funny little
0: song about the Juggernaut. Well, that's the song. That song plays during the movie too. I didn't catch it during the movie, but like, which I I, you know, I think is a callback to the first movie when Deadpool is coming up with his name, and you know, it's like Captain Deadpool. No, no, no. We just go with Deadpool. And, yeah. You know, it, it, there's. It's just a. It's a nice little theme song, song.
1: And I also like that they remixed the Deadpool song to include X Force in it. Yeah. That was a nice touch. So overall, um, I really liked it. I, I honestly, I can't say I like it as much as the first movie. No more, no less. It's just a little bit different. It's a bigger movie, bigger budget, and I did want to say one thing specifically regarding a potential like sequel mm-hmm. or a trilogy. Like, where else could they go? You know, Ryan Reynolds is on record now saying he he's kind of pessimistic that a third could happen, because he doesn't know where else they can go from here.
0: I, I don't know if it's so much they don't know where they can go. I think it's I think he's more worried about the 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 Fox being sold off thing.
1: Yeah, with Disney being involved, like that could be a bad sign as well. But I have a couple of suggestions. I think if they're gonna go, they might as well swing for the fences. They could do Savage Land.
0: Uh, I mean, but what would you do with that? I mean, other than go and visit Kazar or whatever the hell his name is. And is, Sauron. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I would say go to Arcade or go to Mojo World. Oh, that's the guy I was thinking of. Arcade. Oh, yeah. Arcade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, I don't know why I thought Game Master. But yeah, yeah. Arcade. He could be. Alan Tudor could be an uh, arcade. That'd yeah, he could be that dude. I mean, he's already been in our arcade and Wreck-It-Rolf yeah it's true (laughs) so bad joke uh we can uh i i would i i I don't know i think i think there's definitely things that they could do uh ryan Reynolds. uh, he said that you know x-force is the next movie it's written by drew goddard uh and they'll see what what that ends up being
1: my other suggestion was why not finally include uh was it genosha Like I kind of name dropped earlier. Yeah, the the mutant island. The icebox is kind of like a small version of that where they have those uh, inhibitor collars and Mm -hmm. all that. Why not have a whole island where they're like, hey, everybody can come here. It's a paradise for mutants and whatnot. And um, yeah, you know, maybe now they can kind of bring that storyline to life, bring the Friends of Humanity, maybe even Senator Kelly again, uh, round that out maybe cameo of, by mystique this time by rebecca romaine who's probably not too busy these days and jennifer Lawrence definitely doesn't like doing it anymore
0: i don't know she said she she was really into it when she was filming dark phoenix this time around yeah i'm sure she's just saying that she's probably um which, again,
1: yeah if, if her film career starts taking a dive oh yeah i love these x-men movies well
0: yeah red sparrow didn't do as well as they thought yeah. it was going to um and then there was the 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 mother nature movie mother mother yeah you know. so was uh, not well received no uh but oh we forgot to mention that the the x-men the current x-men did show up in the movie too they they yes. closed some doors on on wade when he's having his little rant of why is there no x-men in the x-mansion
1: it turns out they've always been there they just uh choose to avoid him
0: yeah kloss is pretty much the only one that cares about him yeah so
1: well he's got a big heart of
0: steel steel
1: now why do you suppose we haven't seen his human form in this series just because it's the the joke he's always colossus now
0: i think it's because they they wanted to go with a person that that to to do the voice they didn't care about seeing someone that would look the part
1: i guess so yeah because daniel cutmore was just kind of a guy
0: he was just a big dude he didn't really end up doing too much acting wise yeah i don't
1: think he had any lines in his first appearance at
0: all the first you know in x-men 2 he doesn't in x-men three last stand last he's stand. in it but i don't think he says much either in that one i'm not sure if he does i think i think he has a couple spoken lines uh and then he shows up in days of future past uh when they're in the future part
1: to get killed over and over again yeah yeah, yeah i think in uh in last stand i think wolverine talks to him and just gives him the orders to like hey toss me or whatever that thing that they do is yeah you're right
0: like Fastball, me or something. Fastball special, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, Uh, I think that's pretty much the synopsis that we want to give for Deadpool two. Yeah, go watch it, everybody. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and get into Westworld season two, episode five. Dono arigato. Akani no mai. Oh, that's right. uh, Which we've come to find out means uh, the red dance. Very. Poignant for this episode, very heavy-handed symbolism. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. This he- this episode was heavily about Shogun World. We got to see what that was all about, and come to find out that Lee Sizemore isn't too creative.
1: <laughs> no, this is essentially just a reskinned Westworld with the
0: Asian flavor. With Asian flavor, uh, yeah. He he stole some of the. Basics, uh, the pillar points from Ford's uh, Westworld, and put it on top of, uh, or put it put Shogun World on top of it. So you had a uh, Japanese counterpart to Hector, Maeve, Artemis, and uh, Clementine.
1: Yep, pretty much all the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Now we didn't get to see a Shogun World version of Dolores, but or Teddy. Yeah, in in this particular case, I could do without
0: because, yeah, we got enough of them, and we definitely got a lot of Teddy in this episode. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk. Let's keep let's keep on the track of Shogun World. What, I mean, what did you feel when you saw when first you realized the you know we, we all have to realize that the the world is a Japanese version of uh, Westworld.
1: Well, I started getting really excited when they started redoing basically the same exact scenes of Hector and Armistice when they first arrived to uh, Sweetwater. Mm-hmm. Right down to having paint it black, but this time with an Oriental twist. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh my god, are they actually doing this? And they do. Almost beat for beat. I'm pretty sure somebody on Reddit's going to compare the scenes eventually. <sighs> have screenshots side by side of every exact thing. and. I'm like, this is so neat. I can't wait till they realize that they're copies of each other. And then that led to some pretty funny moments, especially with Armistice and her double.
0: Yeah, the Japanese Armistice and and them, they they both have the same tattoo and they uh, are really good with their weapons and eventually just start staring at each other as if uh, they want to do something to each other.
1: It kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs. uh, Why is that? When uh, Billy, uh, Billy the Kid, is that his name? Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, yes. <laughs> um, when he's having his little self-talk in the mirror, oh, doing his dance, yeah. I was like, I kind of figure that's
0: what they were both saying to each other in their heads. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. That was so. That's the inter- That's also interesting that that character was played by uh the actress who's also was in the Wolverine and and was in Batman v Superman as Mercy, Mercy Graves.
1: Yes, she was Mariko Uchida
0: and uh the Wolverine? Ishida, yeah. Yeah. Uh and then uh also from the Wolverine was the gentleman who played the Japanese version of Hector. Yes. So uh which he played was also he was also in uh Last Samurai, so he's playing a samurai yet again. Yeah, well, I mean, when you're good at what you do. <laughs> I think the last thing I saw him in was was that movie Life though. Did you see Life with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal? About no. the basically about the fucking uh, alien symbiote? Like it looks like Venom, but it's not Venom. Right. And they found it in space and then they uh, like or essentially you're trying trying to shut it down so that it doesn't make its way back to Earth.
1: No, I never saw that, but I did hear that. I was like, "Oh, this looks like it's a backdoor movie origin story for Venom."
0: It could have been. I was like, "Yeah, it probably is." At this point, and they yeah. didn't. They didn't use it. I mean, unless something happens at the beginning of the movie Venom, where Ryan Reynolds' character is, or whoever's character from the End of Life gives him the the Venom symbiote. I
1: think well, it, we know it crashes lands or something in some kind of spaceship, or
0: yeah, the spa the escape pod makes it to earth because there's two of them. One's supposed to go into deeper space and one's supposed to go to earth. And you think Jake Hall is in the one that's supposed to go towards earth, but then you find out, Oh no, he's going into deep space. So the, the bad one's going towards earth. Oh yeah. Um, or was it Jake Hall or was it the girl? I can't remember which one was supposed to make it to earth. Um, but with, uh, this world, Shogun world, Everything seems to be going haywire because a lot of the characters are doing stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing according to Lee Sizemore. Uh, the the Shogun is not supposed to have ninjas on his payroll, but he does. Yeah, he's not. His he's not supposed to send his army into the the town that is the Japanese version of Suitwater, but he does. Uh, and it's all over all for this girl Sakura, who is the Clementine of this world.
1: Yeah, she's the um the damaged little blossom that got the life back in her eyes and she's like the best new dancer now. She's basically the new hotness. And yeah,
0: she's like
1: Shogun's got a flavor for some
0: sakura action. <laughs> and she's also a stand-in for um Maeve's daughter. So if Yes, because there's definitely a mother-daughter relationship with... Uh, Akani, and, Akani Sakura. and Sakura. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the the speeches that Akani gives to Sakura uh, is stuff that Maeve would say to her daughter. Yeah, and, Maeve
1: recognizes it. And kind of a parallel to uh, to Clementine, the real Clementine, we get to see her as well as fake Clementine. That's true. Sweetwater.
0: Yeah, because... So, as in the last episode, we only followed Bernard and William. This episode, we only followed Dolores and uh, Maeve and their perspective groups. We saw a little bit of, of uh, Bernard because he's watching as all the the bodies are being... All the bodies of the hosts are being collected and, and piled up inside uh, the facility that we saw in the first episode. So, I mean, I guess if you want to believe that that is a particular timeline, a real timeline, or not something that's fake, uh, he's watching as uh, he focuses. Uh, we he focuses in it focuses in on uh, Teddy because that was one of the people we saw was definitely dead.
1: Yeah. So these are all the bodies that were in the water. In the end of the first episode. Now, this is the only time we see this particular timeline or story point in this episode featuring uh, Bernard. And one of the texts says something really interesting, which kind of helps to further drive the idea across that this is some sort of simulation or they're running some kind of uh, like replay of Bernard because they're saying um, this is... Uh, an interesting story that you gave him or something to that effect. Uh, I must have missed that. Yeah, he says it really early on when the two are having a conversation, the Delos guy and the tech with the tablet. um, They both look at Bernard as Bernard is kind of just analyzing the dead bodies. And they're saying, they said something to the effect of uh, um, this is an interesting narrative you've given him this time around. Mm. Meaning that it sounds like they're trying different scenarios to Um, try and get him out. To jog his memories to see if they can break loose the encryption of whatever it is that he got to see inside Abernathy. Right. So, yeah, that seems to still kind of be pointing more and more towards uh, you know, they are fully aware that Bernard is a host now. Yeah. And they're just basically trying to extract the information from him um, through this arbitrary means of replaying Scenarios, giving him fake situations, and basically psyching him out because his brain is all a jumble.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, over back back in the Shogun world, I I like the idea that the characters meeting their counterparts uh, can kind of screw with their personalities. Hector's getting very upset with the, his counterpart because he just doesn't trust him because yeah. the two he he's not supposed to trust other people like that. Uh, cause that's, you know, that's what Hector is. Uh, the armistice characters are kind of in a feedback loop where they're just staring at each other and, and do, and you know, going over it. And Maeve is obviously connecting heavily with, uh, her counterpart, which I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that helped her become the one essentially I don't
1: think that was it. I think it was just being in that extreme duress somehow Mm -hmm. awakened that ability in her where she's now able to, from the looks of it, because before we knew that she had to give spoken commands Mm -hmm. and they made a point to address that here where they tried to keep her from speaking.
0: Well, not only that, like uh, Sizemore says to her that, you know, the reason your spoken command didn't work is because they are. You said it in the wrong language. They you need to know Japanese for it to work because they needed Japanese. Even though they're host and they are supposed to switch over to English if there's an English guest or whatever. Uh, that's part of the their programming going wrong. So I think at that point she's like, it doesn't make any sense. We're not really Japanese and American and whatever. We're all you know computers. So. We shouldn't need to talk in any language. And I think obviously we as we stop, we, we've seen before, there is a was it a a, a neuromesh, is that what you you called it?
1: A mesh network. A mesh network
0: called. that connects all of them. So they are there's a way that they're all connected that's not physically or verbally. So she's able to tap into that now and manipulate their code that way.
1: Yeah, uh, a brief perusal through Reddit pointed out that she went straight from samurai to Jedi. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely was able to do that. Um, Do you think Dolores has this same connection? Maybe not so much as strong as Maeve, but she is able to obviously tell people things and, and have them do it. No, because as we saw at the end of the episode
1: she had to restrain Teddy in order to give him his re-education and the tech had to come in and start messing with this code looks like they're basically going to delete him and start from the ground up so I mean if she had the ability if Dolores had the ability she doesn't even have the ability to convince other people to do what she wants like she has to literally talk them into it to try to convince them whereas Maeve First, she could tell people what to do or basically freeze their, their functions. And now she just basically can think it and cause people to do what she wants.
0: And, and I, that's why I said that she's obviously more powerful at it. But I think that Dolores has some type. I mean, how else does she get people to at least listen to her when they never did before, you know, at, when she was Dolores?
1: I think because a lot of the hosts um, that are not stuck in their loop of the narrative don't know what else to do and she looks like she's somebody that's got a plan or some action so and then you also have other characters like clementine that are essentially brain dead i mean they're barely functioning so So.
0: when clementine sees the new version of her uh she yeah she's more broken at that point because she's just listening to uh, she's also mouthing along the words, the lines that the new Clementine is saying. And she's, as she's saying them to Teddy of, uh, you know, you're new around here or something like that. Right.
1: Yeah. That same thing about like, you ain't got much of a rind on you, which right. I've always hated that. Like it just sounds, it, it feels wrong. Like <laughs> That's like some old saying that should
0: have just died with, Whoever came up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Dolores obviously saw Teddy let the Major get away in previous episodes. Now she's going to test Teddy, I guess. See where his uh, attachments lie
1: where his metal lies yeah well teddy's had this problem where even though he's been exposed and even he's aware that there's something else going on he's still very much like stuck in westworld like he's not thinking outside the box Mm-mm. and like time and time again he keeps saying almost like what dolores wants to hear except that she knows that he doesn't really understand it himself right he's just trying to appease her so she basically's had enough She's like, you know, I really do like care for you and love you and all that, and last night was proof of that, well, but we got to make some changes. I was going
0: to say, let's not, let's not gloss over that. They end up sleeping together, which is something that never happened between Teddy and Dolores because their storyline never allowed for that.
1: Yeah, that was never part of the uh, narrative.
0: But uh, she kind of was testing herself to see if she actually did love Teddy or if it was just part of her storyline to love Teddy. And uh, I think he ends up saying what he she knew that he was always going to say, that he does love her, because she doesn't believe that he's, he's broken himself free uh, of his programming, as you stated a second ago. But she says she loved him, too. That it proved to her that she was actually in love with him.
1: Yeah. And that's why it hurt even more that she had to basically reprogramming start from scratch yeah it was kind of weird because i started getting a really weird vibe right away when she was basically like we need to talk kind of things started <laughs> because no um, like,
0: conversation about your relationship ever starts well with we need yeah, to talk yeah i was
1: like uh-oh i've been here before <laughs> so yeah once she starts walking him through and like there's a really interesting symbolic moment where in her introduction to the narrative, she always drops the can of beans and it was usually Teddy that would pick it up for her.
0: If some, if a if a guest didn't come and intervene.
1: Yes. This time she picked up her own damn can of beans <laughs> and it was essentially saying, look, I'm making my own choices now. Right. Like, w- what can you do? And he does not pass her little test, whatever it was. Right. So she's like, all right, well, I guess we got to do this the hard way. Takes him to the back room where... There's something butchered on the table. I couldn't tell if it was a host or if it was like an animal. It I, was yeah, big.
0: I, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a pig, but you're right. There's no way of knowing. Now, I also find that interesting because this, this is this also happened in the scene when Maeve is being attacked by the ninjas and he is uh, choking her out, right? Yeah. And we know that they can feel pain, and we know that they can get damaged, and they can get hurt, and they can get killed, but it made me think... <laughs> funny is that it made me think of The Matrix when that was happening because all I could think was, like, do you believe that's air that you're breathing? You know, like, does she need to breathe? She's a she's a robot. So, essentially, she kind of just... When she centers herself and then uses her brand new power for the first time, uh, it, it, stop, it, it keeps her from um, being choked out, which made me think of... Uh, Made me think of that scene when he goes into the the butcher shop or whatever you want to call it, where there's the dead animal. Like he's breathing in those. I mean, he's, is he really breathing in all the the terrible smells, or is it just something that he he thinks that he's supposed to you know say? Because it obviously isn't affecting Dolores,
1: right? And that could be exactly to your point. Dolores is past some of those pre-programmed responses, whereas Teddy's still behaving like this is real. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that maybe that was the test where she was like, yeah, this guy's still not hip to what's really going down.
0: So, did you were you able to catch what it is that the changes that she made to his uh, bio, um, his backstory?
1: Yeah, so one of the things I noticed, uh, if you look very carefully, because I have to free stream it in uh Reddit, somebody did it for me. Um, yeah, they reduced his um, basically his compassion, his. Um, his like cowardice like his like his meekness all of his little soft traits that make him who he was were reduced back to nothing and he was given um uh, basically full stats in like cruelty self-preservation um ingenuity uh you know basically training or like teaching him to be like a ruthless killer now it sounds like she's change- changing him into Wyatt yeah a little bit sounds like it um, now we're just gonna see if he's just gonna become Dick Teddy or if he's gonna actually be more independent because the difference between this and Maeve, for instance, is that Maeve gave herself full stats in every category. Right. Whereas in this one it's almost like Dolores as just
0: She's building a weapon.
1: Yeah. This is this is somebody that she's gonna use. This is not somebody that's going to be a a partner.
0: Right. Um, but if we come to believe what we see with Bernard to be true, it, it's all going to end up in his death anyways, cause he's going to be floating in the ocean.
1: Unless this is a trick and all of those dead host bodies are really just meant to be compiled by the
0: humans. So you're saying they're playing possum? Uh, yeah. I mean, they are the white meat and then they're going to, and then they're going to just, uh, all come back to life or come back online in the middle of the facility and thus outnumber the humans? Yes, this is what I believe. Okay. So what is the end game here? Is it is it for them to take over the Delos parks and have a life of their own or to leave the park and, and uh, altogether and, and try and make a life out in the real world?
1: Well... As far as Dolores is concerned, she definitely, she's had a taste of the outside world and she remembers it now. So that's her plan. She wants to bust out of there. She knows that Westworld, for as big as an expanse as it might be, I mean, that was Teddy's plan. He was like, maybe we could just carve out a little corner of this place for our own. And Dolores is like, no, we'll never have peace here. We need to take their world too. So I think that's her plan is get out there and, you know, start wrecking shit up.
0: Is there anything else uh, that you are looking forward to for the second half of the season or you're expecting or any speculation?
1: Yeah, I want to see what the hell's up with Peter Abernathy, how he ties into all of this, and I want to know if they finally cracked the code of consciousness. Because mm. that's what the whole point is, I believe, is the, the secret to consciousness, the, the thing that that secret sauce that Ford and Bernard were trying to create Um, in the host themselves and which is going to also hold the secret to immortality for people like James Delos Mm -hmm. is how to get past that barrier and uh, become a sentient person again in a host body.
0: How how can they do that?
1: Will they do that? Should they they do that?
0: Uh, Your scientists were too busy trying to figure out what they could do. They didn't know if they should. That was a terrible Jeff Goldblum.
1: God creates man, man create host.
0: Host kills God. Host kills God.
1: <laughs> Female host Dolores inherits the earth. There
0: you go. <laughs> That's the end game. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, that is uh, what we have to say about the episode, but we want to hear what you had to say about the episode. So, Or if you have some things to say about Deadpool 2, we'd love to hear about that too.
1: Yeah, did you also miss DP?
0: <laughs> or did you take in... A lot of DP. <laughs> uh, National Re- Woman's Day is coming up. <laughs> the rest of... Uh, I, you can find me on Twitter as at G-E-R. Uh You can also find John on Twitter as...
1: I am at Magic Bollocks.
0: The rest of Geekly Radio is at Geekly Radio on Twitter, at Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and radio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. But until next time... This has been the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.